0: Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Jonathan Dyke. Good morning. Just close our eyes, shall we, just for a moment, and just remain, just for that sense of Jesus. He's in the room, and just as we, I'll be just thinking of that last little song about I surrender I'm just thinking that God surrendered everything in Jesus and Jesus surrendered everything for me and he did the same for you just in this moment it just reflect on that get a new perspective of who God is maybe and who we are Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for your, for what you're doing in our lives. Father, I thank you that even though there's a sound of war around us, there's an experience of peace within us if we know you. I Thank you that even though there is the sound of death, today you remind us that you've dealt with death. But Lord, even though there's the sound of terrible suffering, we reminded that you took on all suffering. And even this morning, as we just look at the news, let us not forget that you are the news. You are the news of the world. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that this morning, you however long we've known you, whether it's a long while or a short while, or maybe not any while, We're going to understand how you surrendered everything that you are so that we could have everything that you have. And I thank you that you help us to do that. Amen. (laughs) I just want to give a quick update before we get into the the Romans, the Rome around Romans. I like the Rome around Romans. It's good. I remember going to Rome the first time and thinking, oh my goodness, this is a huge place. It's spread out for... Hundreds of square acres, and there's all kinds of big buildings and little buildings, but you pick up the spirit of it, which isn't particularly helpful. Um, but there's, there's such a strength around the city of Rome, this sense of, we're here to conquer the world. And a few thousand years ago, that's pretty much what they did. And yet in all of that, a carpenter conquered them. And I think that's quite interesting. Interesting. Anyway, um, many of you have have given into um, just one of the things that we're doing to support the guys out in Ukraine and the borders of Ukraine, Moldova, Hungary, Poland. But I just wanted to give you a quick update just for a moment about where some of that support's going. So I think there's a slate there somewhere, Rob. Um, Rob will find it. Um, I want to say thank you for those of you that have given. I know people have been given a lot in prayer, and that obviously is crucial It's essential. Uh, Quite a few of the churches that we partner with have also given their time. They've bought vans and driven over to Poland, or they've driven to Bucharest, or they've driven somewhere full of stuff. In fact, one one church that we work with in Southampton, they'd planned to do one little van, and they've done five. uh, Because this whole situation, I think, has captured the heart of people very much. Um, So about, as it says on there, about £12,000 so far has been given to the One New Man initiative that we we know them, we work with them. Uh, That's gone straight to people in the Ukraine, actually, uh, for a couple of reasons. Some of them have just stayed to stay in the country or they're not able to leave the country. And for others that have reached the border, so providing them with just basic essentials like shoes. You know, everybody's got a pair of shoes here. Uh, most people came in a car, uh, apart from Rory, he walked. Um, but even to be able to buy a car, so we've been able to actually help them buy a car, what they've done is they picked up families, taken them to the border, gone back, picked up another one, taken them to a border, and then we put petrol in it. It's just, it's essential, literally life-changing things. The £3,000 in the church in Hungary, we know this church. Uh, you would know a particular lady that's from that church and they've also been able to buy vehicles to just move people around, move resources around. Um, They've opened up their church building for refugees, and it's rammed. So their heating bill has gone off the roof, so we've been able to help with that. Their food and medical supplies, we've also been able to help. And and what isn't on here, but we've actually sent it today, is is I work with a church in Poland um, that also looks after two churches in Ukraine, and we've been able to send them £2,000 today to really, wh- what have they done with that? Arthur says that they've opened up a whole building, which is about five times the size of this, uh, and they've got people in it already. Uh, also, a lot of their congregation are volunteering. They're just working on the border, making sure people get what they need just to live, particularly kids, families. Uh, they also support directly two churches in the Ukraine. Uh, one of them has been bombed for four days, non-stop. You probably would have heard about it on the news. But in all of this, God is doing miraculous things. The stories uh, that we're getting, my phone's over there, the story, I've probably got an A4 page of stories of Russian soldiers knocking on doors saying, can you help me? We don't know why we're here. Stories of Ukrainian uh, frontline troops you are having a praise and worship service before they go on post. I mean, our pictures of that. The sound of it is astonishing. Uh, people where their houses were actually in the line of a missile and it hit it and it didn't go off. You know, two million pounds worth of technology, but God's technology is greater than that, right? Do you know what I mean? Some of the really funny ones, funny in a funny kind of way, is... I'm going to put this without upsetting anybody. Bullets that have missed people. Just put it that way. And I shouldn't have done, because the Ukrainian spirit is God is watching over our land. The reason for that is because their president is a Jew. So the Messianic Church in Ukraine is seeing something of a move of faith and of God. Come on, how many of you know that God turns even these horrible things? And I'm, I'm not giving those credit. It's horrible, right? It's it's not of God. But in it, God is still who he is. So thank you for those that have given. It's important that you know what we're doing with it because we're just channeling it to people that we know, all right, Uh, as a church. But also as a church, we're supporting people uh, who are doing much more material things, truckloads, literally truckloads of stuff. Um, Another friend of mine that lives down in, in, Lo- in London where I was a few weeks ago, they've just bought a dormer mobile and they've just stacked it up and they've driven over there already, just to move people backwards and forwards. So it's amazing, isn't it? Thank you, Jesus. Aren't you glad, I'm glad, that God is redemptive. That word redemptive means that God has got the resources to put things back how he intended them to be. Aren't you pleased about that? That is not to say that what's going on in places like that is right. It isn't right. Uh, It certainly isn't God, but then we're all dealing with, you're all dealing with war in your own world. And don't think you aren't, because you are. We're all dealing with the sound of bullets. Uh, I've had the opportunity to fire off a few rounds, not recently, but I've also had the opportunity to fire off a few missiles, not recently. And there is something odd about War. It's the sound of gunfire, the smell of cordite. But let me tell you that in your life, there is a war going on for your soul. God wants it. God wants your eternity. He wants your destiny. He wants your life. He wants your coming and your going out. And let me tell you, he's prepared to pay the price for it. He has paid the price for it. So this Rome around Romans, and I love this subject. If it's going to come out a bit preachy, I'm making no apology for that at all. Because I've probably preached on these scriptures more than any other scriptures in 40 years. And it's really, really simple. Because, But to hear the great news, how many of you know that God is a God of good news? Do you know why he has to be a God of good news? Because there's bad news. And sometimes the bad news doesn't get... Uh, heard, it doesn't get spoken about, but the good news today is that God redeems His wrath. There is something about the attitude that God has towards certain things in our life that actually we just need to be aware of. When we say, you know, God loves everything, isn't quite true. God doesn't love sin, God doesn't love anger. God doesn't love lies. There's certain things that God doesn't love. However, the amazing thing about the the love of God is God does love the liar, but he doesn't love the lie. Aren't you relieved? I'm relieved by that. God doesn't love sin, but he has a love for the sinner. So I'm, I'm going to use the cross in a minute, and I'm going to try and stick some... Really small yellow post its on it, but don't worry if you can't read it because they're not for you to read. They're for you to get a bit of an example. You all right, Tom? Yeah. Excellent. So we're going to start with Romans. We're still in chapter one because when, when as the leadership back in the end of last year, we said we think the Lord's saying let's talk from the book of Romans. How long should we give it? I said, well, how long's a piece of string? Because the whole book of the Romans is the gospel, is the good news is God's solution, is God's redemptive plan, all in 16 chapters. You can take as long as you like and you're still not going to get it without God's help. So just to recap a little bit, Paul is, Paul was the most intellectual uh, Jewish traditional person you would ever meet until he met the Lord of all. And even his intellect didn't keep him on his donkey, even if his intelligence didn't keep him out of the dark. No, God had to do something to open up the inside of his life to fill it with revelation, this this word revelation. So Paul came on this journey from A to B, you know the story probably, on the way to Damascus, and then suddenly a great big light shone and he couldn't see. And it wasn't that God took his sight away from him. It's just that God showed who he was to such a degree it was too much. Everything in his eyes just shut down. It was just too much. So God didn't blind him. He just put so much light on it. Have you done that? If you put a torch in your, in your, in your eye? it kind of ooh. Just imagine God's light, which is huge. It's immense. And you're looking at it. It's like, oh, my goodness, I can't see. You can't see because there's nothing to see. You can't see because there's too much to see. I think that's pretty cool. So he writes this book of Romans to people who were very used to doing certain things. As long as they behaved in a certain way, they, they, they were convinced that God was going to be all right with that. And God wasn't all right with that. And let me tell you, God still isn't all right with that. And I don't know, we can come here this morning and we can go through the, the, the service and the worship and all this kind of stuff. But inside of our lives can still be stuff God's not happy with it. And he has a right not to be happy with it. You don't, and I don't. Because the Bible says God alone is right. Ooh. So I've lost count of the number of times I've done something really stupid, and I know God isn't like that. And I've passed judgment on it, and it's not my place to judge it. It's God's place to judge it. Because only God is right. Only God is So much full of love that is justice is always loving justice. But we have to face this this moment in time in history uh, in in Romans chapter 1. Again, we're still in chapter 1, verse 18 to 20. It's going to come up on the screen. And this is Paul writing to the Romans. He's writing to both Jew and Gentile. He's writing to those slave and free at those times. He's writing into this environment. And what he says is this. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and wickedness of people. Now, we might say, you know, there's, on one level, it's really obvious to see that there's something really wrong going on in Eastern Europe. But there's something probably going wrong in your Europe. Because when we reflect our lifestyle against this perfection that God is, how many of you know we all fall short? If you're not sure, read Romans 6. So here, here's the funny thing. I, I wish I could show it to you, but I can't hear, but you'll get the picture. Imagine these two TV screens were whiteboards. They were just totally white. Can you imagine that for me? It's just a whiteboard, like a just like a it's painted, it's white. Like that one. Thank you, Mark. It's just like that whiteboard, but you can't see it. If are over here, you can't see it. Just trust me. Just use these. It's white. That whiteness is God's perfection. It's his nature, it's his identity, but I'm not going to do it. But if I put a little bit of red pen on there, I can guarantee everybody would find a bit of red pen and you'd ignore the white. Is that okay to say that? I'm not going to do it, but just trust me, that's what we do. That one white thing there might just be because you, you had a bit of a moment with someone this morning. Or maybe had a bit of a moment with yourself. Do you know what I'm saying here? God's perfection is spoilt by one little, boop. which is why you and I cannot live like that. Because how many of you know that by already by ten to eleven, I've got loads of those all over that white screen, and so have you probably. So this wrath, this wrath that has been revealed, is based on this. God loves you and He loves me, and in that it shows up stuff which isn't right. God isn't looking for the wrong sh He's looking that's a good word. I've just made up a new word. God isn't looking for your wrongtiousness, He wants to reveal His righteousness. So again, just setting this in context, the love of God doesn't come to judge you. It does judge what you've done, though. The love of Jesus does not come to condemn you, but because there's judgment, then there is condemnation until we receive Christ. Because that is the wrath of God. Now, I've done a few studies on this over the years, and people have said, you went to this, you went to that. And I said, no, I'm just into Jesus. But I don't know about you, but I I don't want to live any more today in what I don't need to live in. Because this godliness, ungodliness, is being revealed through society. It's been revealed in my life. Even how you're responding right now to what I'm saying determines whether you've got a little thing there or you've rubbed it off. How you are on the inside... Because that's how God measures us—is on the inside, not the outside. The Bible says there's nothing on the outside that changes our heart. Only God can change your heart and my heart. So this redemptive wrath is being revealed. It goes on in uh, in, in that verse 18, 19. It says, "Who suppresses that? Since that may be made known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them." Since the creation of the world's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. See, this is the amazing thing about God, is that God doesn't hide himself from where he knows needs changing. God doesn't hide himself from getting involved in your life and my life so that he can change it and make it white and righteous. Don't you just love that? I just love the reality, and we'll be celebrating this you know, in a few weeks' time on Easter, which is fine. But the reality of Easter is God didn't look at your life and my life or the life of humanity and say, well, actually, you're all, you're all wrong. I feel really sorry for you. But actually, God's wrath moved God's love, God's right to judge was tempered by his mercy. Because his love is merciful, isn't it? And mercy means that we don't get what we deserve. I'm pretty good. I, th- I think that's good. I'm glad that I don't get what I deserve, otherwise it'll all be toast. So this wrath has mercy as an expression, but also grace. I, do, I get what I don't deserve, and so do you. So do I. Amen. We get what we don't deserve, and we don't get what we do deserve. So here's the problem. What is this problem around how th- how this wrath works? First, sin separates you and me from God. God's nature is he deals with sin. He deals with the sinner. He wants you and I to have a relationship with him which has got no gray areas in it, no bits of felt tip on it, nothing. And even when the felt tip comes, we look at how God... Makes it white again. I don't know about you. How many of you uh, have spent hours, and I spent a bit of time this morning, on a screen just trying to get rid of my fingerprints? So you're all laughing because you've all done it, right? How many of you have done that? Whether it's on a phone or on a TV or on your cat or whatever it is, I don't know, has it got something on it, and it's just, I'm going to rub that off. And and we we put spray on it and a a rubber on it or a microfiber on it, and, and you do it, and you look at it, and the light catches it, and it's still there. None of you cleaning windows? Because I, I cleaned some windows the other day with this new thing that we, that we bought. And I thought, that's really good. Sun came out, it's like, oh, I've missed that. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? Just imagine that that's your life. Just imagine that we rub and dub and scrub and try and do it, and we try and do everything that we can, and suddenly the light comes out, hello, and it's like, oh, I missed a bit. And we make a judgment. We either think, oh, well, that's all right. I can still see through the window, or I can still see through my glasses, even though I squinting. <laughs> or I can still read my device, even though it looks like fog. We, we make a decision that God will never make. God wants it pure, and He wants it clear. He wants your life and my life pure, and He wants it clear. God doesn't have to put up with fog or fingerprints, that fingerprints of when I was young, that fingerprints of when I was at school, that fingerprints of when I was in the workplace. God wipes all those fingerprints off. (laughs) Alan, Alan's getting excited. Why? Because because he only gave his life to Jesus a little while ago and he's suddenly realizing everything that God has, he has. (laughs) And it's taken him 80 years to work it out, but who cares? (laughs) So we have this problem Sin separates you and me from God's best. Why? Because it's got I in the middle of it. You have to work that one out. S-I-N. Okay, I'll help you out with that one. Then with this sin, there's another condition which is even worse. It's death. This death, this end of all things. Death, what is death? Death is separating you and me from God's eternal life. Sin separates you and I from his life now. Death separates us from it at all. But how many of you know that God dealt with death? He killed it. Come on. Like he made sickness sick. Sorted it out. He hated hatred. But we'll talk about that in a minute. And then the next part of this issue that we have is hell. Now, not many people talk about hell, and I don't usually, but I'm going to today. What is hell? Hell is where God isn't. And God doesn't want you living where he isn't. He wants you living where he is. But let me tell you, without his wrath, there would be no hell. Because actually the hell was only made for one person. And that's the devil. Hello. Don't worry. It was just made for one person. But without the knowledge of God's amazing wrath and his amazing love which tempers it, if we don't make decisions now, we don't know where we're going to spend the rest of eternity and who with. And I don't think that's smart. I think God wants us to know that we have a choice, even now, whether we've made a decision for Christ or not. We can make a choice to live for him today or put it off until tomorrow. So what does this kind of darkness, what does this issue look like? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? Well, here's a few examples. It's not fully exhausted because I kind of woke up in the night and did some of these. But some of them is ignorance. Some of it's ignorance. Wack that up there. Some of it looks like deception. Oh, well, I don't need God. God's not real. God won't mind. Who is God? I am God. My work is God. You are God. Some of this darkness looks like shame. If only they knew what I was really like. I don't even know that God knows what it's really like. But maybe you feel a bit ashamed today. Maybe you've just gone off on one you know you shouldn't have done. Well that's on there now. Not on here now. Come on now. Maybe we feel a bit of guilt. It wasn't just my fault, but I am a fault. And you wake up just feeling guilty, just waiting for someone to explain why you feel like that. I've no idea. I'm just trying to describe what darkness looks like in reality, because I've lived in it. Another thing is rejection. I'm just waiting for them to turn their back on me. Just waiting for them to put me in a box. How many of you know that Christ was rejected so that you wouldn't have to be? Come on, the Bible says he was rejected. There's this moment, which is a real moment in time and space, where for a microsecond, that's all it took, was he knew what it was like to be separated from his father. Not so that he had to be, so that he could deal with us feeling like that. It's called empathy. Sometimes that rejection gets so bad that we get desperate. Will anybody ever love me? Will I ever love me? I've got quite a few of these. Here's another symptom of living under darkness. Is Repeated emotional and health challenges. Mm. You might think, oh, well, that's not true. That's deception. Repeated health and emotional challenges, cycles, patterns, histories, history repeating itself, is all part of where God wants to bring his love and his life into and change it. Fear, anxiety, Panic attacks. Nightmares. Reading too much social media and living in the same world yourself even though it's not true. That's why if I was you, find the delete button and the off button. Social media today, I believe is rampant. Rampant with ungodliness. It's just rampant with it. There's all kinds of misunderstood teaching, particularly as Christians, we grab hold of everything, we need to test everything. If it's not Christian, you shouldn't really be listening to it anyway because it will only be fueling the spot on the paper, not that. Again, there's no condemnation if that's been your journey because his love tempers his wrath. But to be honest, I do wonder sometimes why God has just this tremendous... Uh, Ability to forgive when it was my fault in the first place do you understand what I mean by that it's when I do stuff it's not God's fault it's mine and yet God still forgives me when I ask him to that's cool right I think it's cool there's other things that I could put on here fault finding lack of sense of purpose or worth lack of confidence lack of feeling competent loneliness feelings of abuse Victim mentality or poverty mentality. Victim mentality is I'll never be good enough. Poverty mentality is I'll never have enough. God can bless everybody but not me. That's poverty mentality. God can use everybody else but not me. That is victim mentality. And this is all part of this, this issue that humanity has. You have and I have. But here's the good news. It's good to have some good news, isn't it? I mean, it's Sunday, isn't it? Come to church, have some good news. Woo-hoo! Yeah. Here's the good news. Romans 1, 16 to 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because there's no shame in the gospel. There's no criticism in the gospel. There's no guilt, fear in the gospel. I was sharing this the other Friday. We had a, a really interesting prayer meeting on Friday night. Interesting for loads and loads of reasons. But, but the essence of it was God, God was speaking through his word. But then why wouldn't he? He wrote it. And as we listen to God and release God, it just feels different. It just sounds different. Because even if we're a little bit nervous, even if we're a little bit kind of... We trip over our words. When you start to speak the word of God, there's no fear in his word. There's no guilt in his word. There's no shame in his word. Something just comes out of us. But also when we're just kind of talking to God, it just God seems to take over. God wants to take over your words. So let me tell you, me included... We're all pretty good at when the word goes out, words come out which we regret saying. I'll put my hand up to that one. But there's no shame in the gospel because, just say because, because it's the power of God. There is something in this message, there is something in this event, there's something in this narrative, right from the Old Testament through to the New Testament, there is something of the power of God in the gospel. The gospel is not just, there's four issues and you've got to deal with it. The the gospel is, God really should be judging you, but he's not going to because he wants to save you from it. God really should write you off, but he's not going to because he loves you too much. And we've got to get that. We've got to get a proper working understanding of that. He brings salvation to everyone. Just say everyone. Now, whoever just said it, that also means you. Then, everyone is everyone. So here is this issue. There is this sin. There is this death. There is this hell. Where God doesn't want us to go to any of that because that's part of his wrath that's part of his righteous anger towards people who are living trying to live a holy life but without the means to make themselves holy that's what wrath does you and me trying to make it work and that's the problem we can't make it work we try to have a go and it doesn't work it doesn't change who we are and it doesn't change how we do what we are only Jesus can do that, but Jesus does it through the gospel. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. I just love that this gospel, this passion, this love that God is. So, with this cross, I know so many things have fallen off, which actually is quite good. I was going to do that anyway. But if you look at that, if you look at that, that is the God's love. That's God's love. The vertical bit is God's love, which broke through from heaven, has hit the ground and stays in the ground. That's His love. When Jesus went to the cross, you never put in there. I never put in there. God didn't put in there. Love put in there and love kept him there. He could have come down any time. Let's not go around blaming everybody else for this. No, let's take some responsibility. He went there for not just what I did, but He went there for me. Hallelujah, that's where the power of the gospel is. Is that everything that was around death had to come across the horizontal. That's why I believe Jesus has spread out so much. Why? Because it makes him totally vulnerable, totally approachable, totally surrendered. Not to you or me, but to God. But here's the funny theological reality here. In the Old Testament, there was such a sense of, we're serving a God who's just holy. We don't quite know what it looks like. We know that if you go to his tent and you're not holy, you end up as toast. So there's something very particular about God's nature, but also how he expresses that nature. So you could only go in with a bell and a whistle. (laughs) And hopefully you came out afterwards. Some people did, some people didn't. But there was something particular about the person of God, the nature of God, the fact that he was so clean and pure and holy and above everybody else. And yet at the same time, he wants you and me to live like that. I said in the Old Testament, they made all kinds of ornaments. And the ornaments were made for a particular design. They were called a certain thing. But only became holy when blood touched them or oil touched them. What do you think touched this? when Jesus was spread out his blood touched it and everywhere his blood touches it becomes holy his blood symbolises dealing with sin dealing with death dealing with hell and it says that and I love it that in Jesus the whole of God's wrath was satisfied you think that's cool? So this vertical line represents the love of God. The the horizontal one is where wrath was dealt with. As Jesus spread himself out for you and for me. And I just love the reality of that. that. He did the right thing. Jesus always did the right thing. He was always in the right place at the right time. With the right word. With the right response. With the right spirit. That's what righteousness looks like. Righteousness is righteousness to god is not come kind of level of spirituality that nobody can get to that's religion and and cultism righteousness is following the righteous one holy spirit do something in me holy spirit touch my life holy spirit touch my mind holy spirit touch my heart and do something right And it says the righteous, it's Romans one sixteen to seventeen. I love I love this. This shows so much of the generosity of Jesus, the generosity of God. The righteous will live by faith. Just unpack that. You can spend a week just thinking about that. They will live by faith. By faith in what? By faith in who? By faith in how recognizing that you and I can do absolutely nothing to appease God's wrath. So God did it himself. Recognizing on the cross, and the cross is seen in two different ways normally, and the Bible talks about it. For one, it's just stupid. Stupid, it's irrelevant. Even the Romans tried to make people think that somebody nicked his body. Other religions think Jesus went to the cross, but he never died there. Other religions would say, well, here's, here's the tomb of so-and-so, and here's the burial place of so-and-so, and here's the headstone for so-and-so. But you won't find a grave for Jesus because he's not in one. I said he's not in one. It says in 1 Corinthians one eighteen, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those of us being saved, saved, it's the power of God see this cross and again how I kind of sit in my own life is, is I live most of my life this side of the cross you know Jesus was on there looking at me he was doing what he was doing and he's still doing what he was doing I was just walking backwards and forwards just doing my own thing and then suddenly I'm coming to Jesus and say God I don't know why you've done it but I thank you that you have I don't know why you've dealt with all this stuff but I thank you that you have and suddenly you, can't, you pass through the cross and you end up living this side of it. But you have to carry it. This is Jesus' antidote, if you like, for living a holy life. is Every day deny yourself, this side, and pick up your cross and follow, this side. Come on. That's what that means. It doesn't mean that we flagellate ourselves or that's religion. I know some, even now, people do that, right? They think suffering is part of carrying a cross. It is not. Jesus took our suffering. Let me tell you what suffering looks like. Suffering looks like someone's had a go. You want to rip their head off, but you don't. You love them instead. That's suffering. Come on. Suffering is you're just doing your stuff and something goes off on the inside. It's like... But you don't. You just love and bless them. That's suffering. Because that's what happened here. Jesus didn't come to rip our heads off. He came to give us an opportunity to have a new life and a new heart and a new destiny. Somebody probably thought they should have said hello. Hallelujah then. So in Jesus the man was sacrificed. Jesus as God was set apart. Jesus' body, led by the Holy Spirit, went to the cross. I think that is awesome. I don't know about you, but I would have avoided it. And Jesus' blood, whatever it touches, becomes holy. And here is the part of the message. Next week, Clyde's going to be talking about another part of the wrath of God, which may not be so cheery. (laughs) (laughs) But me, I like to put the positive on it, okay? But we have to have... Idea of what the issue is. So wherever you're seated right now, however spiritual you feel, however faith-filled you feel or not, the reality is, is God has got every right to judge us, but he doesn't. However, if you don't know Jesus, he does, because there's no saviour to come in between him and me. So Jesus is our advocate. He argues on our behalf. That, that's love. He doesn't say, told you so. What he says to the Father is, I told you so. Come on now. <laughs> Jesus doesn't say, look at the state of him. He says to his Father, no, look at the state of me for him. Come on, you've got to see that. I see this daily. Jesus doesn't say, oh, look at the pit that guy's in. He says, look at the pit I went in to take him out. Come on. I just pray that you get this. You get this. Don't don't just see the the anger. No, I took his anger and traded it. It's not that God overlooks all this stuff. God deals with it. He doesn't cover it. He removes it, the Bible says. When you give your life to Jesus, he doesn't just do up a shoddy old building. He gives you a new building. When you give your life to Jesus, he doesn't just try and make you better. He makes you new. (laughs) There you go. Hopefully this has been an alright message. To be honest, it is what it is, right? (laughs) I can just share my heart with you. However, it'd be good to chat around the table for a bit, but not too long, because. However, God is speaking to you right now. You might be feeling, "Yep, yeah, that's great, that's awesome." Thank you. You might be thinking, "Oh my goodness." You might be thinking, oh, "That's terrible." You might be just thinking nothing. All right, that's that's down to you. But we're going to break bread together in a moment. Because that will remind you and me that at no point in time does God look at our lives and just think about it. But when God looks at our lives, He moves. He does something. But when God looks at your struggles and my struggles, He doesn't just sit there thinking, poor old them. No, no, He comes and gets involved. So communion this morning, I just pray that as we break bread and we share the the juice around, that we get a a new understanding, a fresh one or a deeper one, that with these two elements, we remember that God's dealt with his wrath. God's dealt with wrath. All this stuff that's been on that cross and maybe other stuff that... and, And don't sit there thinking, we didn't even put my thing on there don't don't think that that's just deception that's, that's why I put that at the beginning well he didn't he didn't say that one put yourself on there <laughs> just put you on there right because that deals with everything that you're dealing with just put you on there and as we get the bread and the, and the cup we just remember well uh, he broke the bread but he didn't break his body and there are reasons for that and that's because he had to be perfect and he was perfect But also, he took the cup on the right time. And there's reasons for that. We haven't got time to go into that. All you need to know is, is that his blood still speaks. (laughs) And when you receive afresh these elements, it's our conviction, and I believe it's God's promise, that you will experience God in a fresh way. It's not just, oh, it's communion today. No, it's re-engaging with the one who paid for us. It's re-engaging with the one who loved wrath out of our lives, if I can put it that way. It's it's, 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 it's acknowledging that Jesus has done everything so that I can live eternally with God. That's where heaven is. I'm just going to pray. Father, I want to thank you. Thank you that you are the Lord of life. You are the Lord of righteousness. You are the Lord most high. I want to thank you that at the cross you dealt with every requirement, every legal, spiritual, emotional, mental requirement that God required to live a holy life. I want to thank you that at the cross you broke the power of sin, you broke the power of death, you broke the power of sickness. You broke the power of infirmity. You took it away. You took it on yourself. I want to thank you at the cross. You broke into the earth from heaven. And you kept a doorway open so that you, we, we can step into it and know you personally. I want to thank you that when we put our faith and our trust in everything that you have done, you take away from our lives everything that we have done. thank you for your healing being accessible this morning, your restoration being accessible this morning, your redemption are available this morning. Everything that you have done is available this morning. And I thank you that as we share the the bread and the wine, your power, the power of the gospel is going to flow today. We believe you, God. We believe you, God. We're not going to believe in our feelings or in the circumstances or in the newspaper or in the snooze paper. We're going to believe the good news that Jesus died once for all for everyone. I thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.